It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Hersema. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, April 26th. Thank you for tuning in today for another fun episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Lots to talk about today. Uh, It's just me, as is usually the case on Mondays. Uh, A ton of topics to get to, uh, a lot of sports topics, some other things as well. Uh, Just a fair warning that uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit today. We're going to bounce around to um, some some of my thoughts on just kind of where we're at in society, kind of my thoughts on some current events, if you will, outside of sports, somewhat related, but just a lot of kind of where I feel we are at in society and just some random thoughts as you guys uh, have heard from me before plenty of times. So uh, lots to talk about, as I said today, happy Monday to all. And thanks for tuning into this episode. We are going to do a suds with studs segment that I will get to as well. Uh, one that I think is uh, it, it hits home, at least for me. Uh, it's on, we're going to honor an officer actually who was killed in the line of duty uh, back in uh, 1996 and uh, a Glendora PD, member of Glendora PD, I should say, uh, Louis Pompey. So we'll get to that in a second, Louis Pompey. Uh, I will get to that. But um, man, a, an amazing weekend. Uh, UFC really delivered on Saturday night. I don't know how many of you guys got to see all of the fights, but an amazing main card. And you know what was awesome to see was, yes, fans in the stands a full capacity of fans in the stands 15,000 plus a full arena uh, people some wearing masks some not wearing masks a lot of people not wearing masks uh, it was almost like uh, the good old days almost like America right it was a uh, it was a beautiful sight to see I can't wait for the backlash for everyone to start complaining and saying how could you how people want to die and and there's actually an article that i'll get to that kind of touched on that uh and dana white the president of ufc or i'm not sure what his title is i think he's still the president um he uh laid into a an article from a las vegas uh, newspaper that i might get to read here but ufc 261 absolutely delivered five great fights, three of those fights being title fights. There was drama. I mean, every fight ended early in, in, a, in a knockout of some, some form, some way or another. Um, I want to get to all of that. I want, let's see, I have, I have a ton of notes here that I want to talk about. Um, uh, let's see. Most of it has to do with UFC from over the weekend. Uh, the college football uh, playoffs. Yes, playoffs, Division One AA. They played their first round of games. Over the weekend, no real great games, kind of some blowouts, but that's to be expected. But on that note, there was also some talk from the college football playoff and, you know, Division 1A, uh, talk of expanding the playoff from not just four teams, but maybe eight, uh, 16, 12, uh, six. I don't know how you come up with those kind of uh, weird numbers. I, I think it needs to be eight or 16, but that's just me. 
So anyway, we'll get into that uh, towards the end. Uh, I've waited a long time, a, a few days to say what I want to say about somebody on this podcast, and that is uh, LeBron James. Uh, I have some comments about LeBron. You guys know me. I'm very critical of him. I have been in the past. I am not a fan by any means. And some of his comments recently really, really upset me. And uh, not just upset me, but I think upset a lot of people. And uh, I have plenty of things to say about that. And I'm going to kind of save that for the end, I think. Save that for the end of this show. So anyway, uh, bear with me today. I got a lot of notes. When, when I'm by myself, as you guys know, I just kind of uh, bottle it all up for the week. All my little catchphrases, my analogies, uh, just random thoughts that I have. And I wrote, write this down. Uh, and I write them down and try to come up with a, a topic here. But anyway, uh, great guest on Friday. We're going to be joined by Bill Ritter, my good friend from high school, lives up in Portland area. Had a conversation with Bill about, uh, man, cryptocurrency. We talked a little bit about uh, third-party candidates in presidential races. We just we caught up. It was a great time uh, catching up with him. It had been about a year since Bill was last on this program. So uh, really a lot of fun talking with Bill Ritter. Hope you guys will get a chance to hear that or uh, set some time aside on Friday or next weekend to hear my conversation with him and talking a little bit about music and stuff as well. And speaking of music, had a fun conversation last Friday with Douglas Kirk from uh, Bakersfield. Really fun time chatting with him. Got some great feedback on that episode. So uh, hope you guys get a chance to tune in and, uh, you know, no pun intended to listen to some uh, conversation with Doug about some music and such. Anyway, uh, I saw this article. It's not an article, really. It's like, I don't know. It's pretty short. Um, it was shared to me by a friend, and I, and I want to read it to you guys because I think it's relevant to today, today's world. Today, that we're all kind of, kind of uh, going through some things right now. And uh, I found it interesting, and it really struck me. And uh, this is by a guy named Andy Frizzella. I think he has a podcast as well. He's kind of a motivational speaker. If I'm, I could be wrong. So forgive me if I'm incorrect there, but uh, this was really, really good. And I want to read it to you. It's uh, just a couple paragraphs. So uh, this is how I want to start things out today. This is called people pleasers will never win. This was written on April 16th, 2021. So just about uh, a week and a half ago. Okay, here it is. Not everyone is going to like you. So what? It doesn't matter if we're talking about business, politics, your personal brands, or just life in general. The real you is not going to be for everybody, no matter what you say, what you do, or what you stand for. There will always be people who don't approve. But the quickest way to become irrelevant in business and in life is to try catering to everyone. It's stale. It's average. It's boring. People pleasers will never win. They will never carve out a diehard following, a culture, or a community. Listen to me when I say it is much better to have 50% of people who love you and the 50% of people who hate you than it is to have 100% of people that don't have an opinion about you. If we're talking about building an influential brand, you need to understand this. People want to identify with something. 
People want to belong to something. If your messaging is watered down because you're trying to appeal to everyone, then what makes you special or polarizing? Nothing. The same thing goes for who you are. Have some passion, have some belief, stand for something, and the right people will love you for it. Uh, I had to share that with you guys because uh, I was just incredibly blown away. It's a short, simple, right to the point message that I does, I think speaks volumes. I think for a lot of people out there, I, I know myself included, I don't want to be anyone's enemy. I don't want to anger people. I, I, I don't want to be the guy that stirs things up that uh, you know, mocks people for what they believe or, or, you know, or watches what I say, but we live in this age now where you have to watch every word you say. And that's hard. Some people, they have this gene inside them where they don't care. They just, they speak their mind. They're like, I don't care what people think of me, big deal. And I think I've slowly started to adapt a little bit towards that, where you can't care about what everybody says. Think about everyone reacts to, to, uh, everything that happened, every, every people react differently T take 20 people, take 20 of your friends or family or whatever, and think about all the different viewpoints they have and uh, maybe who they vote for, maybe their favorite sports team. Just, just think of it from that context. You cannot please everybody. You can't, you never will. So why try, why try to walk a fine line? I try, you guys know where I kind of stand politically, where I lean, the things I support, um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm going to try to speak my mind a little bit more on this podcast on Mondays. You guys kind of know my sports opinions, but I'm going to give some other opinions as well. And they may not be for everybody. The beauty of podcasts or radio shows or whatever, or television channels is you can turn them off if you don't like what they're saying. I know I have, I don't listen to things that I don't like listening to, you know? So I'm not, I don't want to alienate anybody. If this program is for you then I, I appreciate those who tune in. I appreciate it. I'm not trying to get rich off this thing. I'm just, this is a place to, to talk with my friends, to share some opinions, to vent a little bit. And uh, some people will like it and some people won't. So it is what it is. I'm not going to get caught up in, uh, you know, trying to appeal to everyone because that's a, like, like Andy Frisella said in there, you got to stand for something. And kind of on that note, I feel as if, you know, it's society. Okay. When you're growing up, you belong to a school. All right. You probably belong to a church. And for people who maybe weren't religious or aren't religious now, they, there's this like need to belong to something. And I think that's a problem in some sense, not all, all, uh, all aspects, but like some people, they make up causes because they want to feel a part of something. They make up, uh, you know, the, some of these, they, they join, they try to stand for something. They stand for things that aren't really standing for anything. And you could say, well, you know, Matt, not everyone is, uh, is religious or goes to church or whatever. You know, I've told you guys, I, I grew up going to church every week and I honestly, I haven't, uh, in the past few years, I, I, I have, I guess, different reasons for that, but I'm not saying the solution for everyone. If you want to belong to something, go join a church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that is something that I think couldn't hurt. But for a lot of people, they, they have this desperate need to be a part of something, be a part of a team, be a part of a cause, a movement. 
me speak up on this issue and then ignore this other issue over here. Uh, I think you guys kind of know what, I, what I'm saying there. Not too many. The problem is we, we've alienated like the good causes. You know, we, we've removed uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, God out of the classroom, any mention of God. People, separation of church and state, it's like, well, yeah, but what about freedom of religion? Like being able, <laughs> anyway, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but it, it's just interesting to me that, for instance, there's one group of people. If, if you had to divide our country into two, I know there's a whole bunch of different viewpoints in this and that, but what I'm seeing right now is there's a group that wants to radically change everything. Think about it. Think about in, in every policy that's made, think about what is really happening. There's a radical change. Some people want to radically change everything. I mean, and I mean everything. Uh, how much power you use in your house, how many hamburgers you can eat in a year. Uh, and then there's other people that appreciate kind of foundation and tradition What's interesting to me is that think of the word uh, liberal. Think of the, think of the um, liberal means like freedom, right? Um, f- free. The funny thing is with, with liberal is I feel as if liberal policies are almost the exact opposite of like free, you know, the whole liberal and liberating, right? It's similar. Um, and, and yes, it also means, you know, philosophy of, you know, promoting civil liberties and individual, but I'm saying it's just interesting that liberal should be, you know, more freedom yet the liberal side of things is kind of being more restrictive, tell you what to do. Isn't that kind of weird? And then you think the exact opposite, the conservative side of things is like, Hey, you know, don't, uh, don't overly spend and be be um conserved don't don't be conservative has a connotation of like being uh you know just go with the flow you know don't don't uh don't get radical change or anything but it's crazy that the conservative side of things and 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 in reference to like the coronavirus right now and all these restrictions that side is almost like hey more freedom like more freedom wanting to do more things i don't know if you understand what i'm saying but like the two ideologies it's almost like flipped in their definition, maybe, you know, you know, like I think the liberal point of view is is like almost let's change everything, change everything, radically change everything, restrict everything. Uh, What businesses can be open, Um, you know, tax anyone that makes a certain amount of money. Um, Just it's, I almost feel if I had to sum it up and I'm not saying um, be careful here, even though I just read you the Andy Frisella thing. I feel as if I'm not saying liberal or conservative. It, it, the, the, it seems like we have people in this country that love America and its traditions and foundations. And that's not to say that you can't evolve a bit. We've evolved a lot. All right. But I feel some of this evolution uh, is like evolution is becoming like this revolution. And that's not a good thing. I feel like one group of people loves America, loves its foundations, not to say there weren't mistakes made or that, you know, you need to go back to the good old day. No, there's plenty of wrongs that have occurred that have been righted, but 
there's like another side that like hates America. We are, we are, we are racist. We are evil. We are an awful nation. That's like, what? There's bad things, but like, there's bad things all over. There's murderers. There's racists. There's thieves. There's rapists. There's all kinds of things. But I wouldn't say that that is like what identifies our nation. I am not denying anything. I'm not, I'm not a, a denier of, first of all, I'm not a denier of facts. Some people are. Some people do deny facts. And you can't, you can deny opinions. You can't deny facts. Facts, facts still matter. At least I think so. So I, I just, I, it's, it's crazy today. I, I'm sitting here talking to you guys in late April and I'm thinking to myself, some people don't love America and they want to destroy it with some of the ideology. And some people are going along with it. Take away the police, take away the right to defend yourself, take away, uh, you know, masks everywhere. So, you know, pay everyone money. Don't, we don't want people having jobs or, or, or careers or, or lives. And it's just, I don't know if it's socialism or what the concept is, but it's uh, I'm trying to like dumb it down and like think sim simple thinking like, like is what works for me. I don't know all the fancy terms or, but I just know that it's really crazy right now that everything wants to, everybody wants to just this radical change. Minor change is good, but like to completely fundamentally change everything about our society there might be a few things that need to be tweaked, but to change everything, the, the, the capitalism of our country, the, the free market, all these things, like what was the old saying? Oh, you used to be able to, you know, you can, in America, you can do whatever you want. You can accomplish anything you want. Now everyone's told, no, nope, you're being held back because of this or nope, our, our, our planet's going to end. There's no hope uh, unless we, we all start, uh, you know, stop using gasoline. I mean, it's just, there's this constant doomsday. Like the world is an awful place. I don't want to live that way. Think of it this way. Say you've been in a, you ever been in a relationship where you're with somebody, not just a couple dates. I mean, you're, you're in a relationship and this is male or female, by the way. And you know, there's something in you, you like them, but you don't love them necessarily. You might think you love them. You're kind of like on the fence, but you're like, oh, let's see what, where it goes. But you find yourself like constantly wanting to change them, change a lot about them. Not a little, not, not, hey, tuck your shirt in when we go out to eat or, hey, can you do the dishes more? I'm talking like fundamentally change everything about them. If you want to radically change the person you're dating, then did you really love them? Do you really love them? Or do you love the idea of what you want, you know, what you think they should be? So I think about that when I think about America, like people say they love the country, but they want to change everything about it. Does that make any sense to you? doesn't make any sense to me. Fix a few things. Sure, absolutely. And you know what? You're not going to agree on everything of the person you date, but it is rather weird that you, you hear that often, right? What's, what's the number one reason you guys broke up? Oh, she was trying to change me. What's the number one reason uh, you guys broke up? Oh, he didn't care. 
He never listened. He never listened. He was, uh, you know, never willing to compromise. And yet in America today, we have this like, I love you, but I want to change everything about you. Okay. Try that. Fellas, why don't you, why don't you go tell your ladies that tonight? Go say, hey, babe, you know what? I love you. I love you a lot, but I want to change 90% of the things about you. How do you think that would go over? You think she, <laughs> I hope someone does try that because I want to hear the results. Anyway, those, these are just, you know, random analogies, guys. Uh, I put my shirt on, I put my shirt on backwards the other day and uh, just, I was in a hurry. And the thing about doing that is you can feel right away, like without even looking, you're like, this feels wrong. This doesn't feel right. You know, when your shirt's on backwards. Maybe you got other things on your mind. You don't feel it right away. But if you have any like awareness at all, you're like, this feels right, wrong, or it's inside out, you know, that feeling, not looking down and seeing it. But my immediate thought to that was, man, you can feel the very second when your shirt is on backwards, if you have any awareness at all. But we also live in this like backwards, backwards make-believe world right now where people don't feel the shirt on backwards. Because there's, there's a lack of awareness or so they're thinking about other things that they need to change. And it's like, hey, put your shirt on right first. But it's just a feel. You, I, that was my point with, it, with this is that you feel it. You feel the backwards. And I think some people aren't feeling the shirt on backwards these days. And they just go about life with the backwards shirt on. Um, that was just a completely random one that uh, popped in. Okay. Um, President Biden, listen. I'm not a fan. You guys know that. Um, some of you guys hated Trump. Some of you guys uh, loved Obama, uh, hated Obama, loved Trump, like whatever. All right. But but this is something I, I can't, I don't know where to begin with this. President Biden was in a Zoom meeting with a bunch of world leaders. It looked like at least 15, 15 of them. And Biden was the only person on the Zoom wearing a mask. Why you need a, a mask in a Zoom call is beyond me. It's not like, oh, Maddie's just trying to set a good example. That's not setting a good example, especially when you're vaccinated. Him and the vice president constantly wearing a mask when they're vaccinated. What message does that send? To me, that sends a message of, hey, that we want you to take this vaccine, but it doesn't work. Well, it's just, it's, it's being extra cautious. Extra cautious? I mean, do you guys wear two seatbelts when you drive? Do you carry a seatbelt around with you uh, as you're walking? I mean, what are we doing? That's not leadership to me. That's not leadership to, to wear a mask in a Zoom call with other world leaders. That's an embarrassment to America. And you're vaccinated. Well, people who are vaccinated still need to wear a mask. Well, why? I talked to you guys about uh, UFC and, and the, the thousands of fans. Valerie asked me, she says, oh yeah, did they vaccinate everyone? I go, no. She goes, oh, well, did they, um, uh, is it, everyone's got to wear a mask? I go, nope. Jacksonville, Florida, the oasis of freedom as Governor Ron DeSantis uh, called it in one of the pre-UFC events. It's crazy that we have to like refer to this Man, this is freedom, not wearing a mask and having a capacity crowd. Wow, what a, that is like this big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. That should be normal. I'm, I'm bouncing around here, but yeah, Biden wearing a mask. 
in a Zoom call. That, that is such poor leadership. It spreads fear. It spread, you confuse people. It, it's Biden wearing a mask on a Zoom call with world leaders. What, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to show the world that America is the safest place? That, like, we, we're extra safe? I, I don't. Maybe you love Biden. Maybe you hate Trump. I don't know. People got mad at Trump and he never wore a mask anywhere. Okay, well, what? Yeah, he got COVID, but he was fine. Anyway, I, those are some uh, early random thoughts for me today before I kind of get into the um, the uh, the sports topics. Uh, but, and I want to get to Suds with Studs here in a second to honor Louis Pompey, but a few other just random things here. I mean, you talk about rad- the radical change of America, and I'll give you another example. Uh, voting to have Washington, D.C. as a 51st state. Um, the court packing. I saw a guy try to corner uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and he was like, what's the difference between what, uh, you know, the concept of court packing and what the Republicans did in 2016 and 2020 with the, the new Supreme Court justices? Um, was it Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh, I believe? And the guy, like, didn't understand that there's nine Supreme Court justices, when one of them retires or unfortunately passes away, there's a vacancy. You feel the vacancy. That's what Donald Trump did. That's what Barack Obama did. That's what George Bush did. Bill Clinton did. There's an opening, a vacancy. You fill it. That's one of the responsibilities as a president. And there's checks and balances. It's got to be approved through the Senate, this and that, whatever. But he was comparing filling a vacancy to Ted Cruz. Like, well, it's the same as court packing. You guys are pack, packing the court with your people. It's like, no, court packing. The, the Democrats right now want to put more justices on. Why? Why? Because they can put uh, two or four of uh, you know liberal judges, basically, to sway the court in their favor rather than keep it at nine. And yes, I know in the Constitution you can add judges or whatever. But it's been nine forever. And this is what I talk about with tradition versus radically changing things. Can you imagine? I want you guys to think about this. I, I love this playing this game. The can you imagine game where you either flip the uh, you flip the roles of a situation. Uh, a lot of times it's like racially th- racial situations. And I don't want to get into too many of those because that's always uh, dangerous. And uh, but like think of the. The Donald Trump, think if he attempted to court pack the court. Can you imagine the outcry? Can you imagine? Dictator Trump is trying to radically change everything. He wants to, to put uh, more conservative justices on the court. This is the Democrats have no no problem. Like, no, we can no, we're gonna pack the court. It's almost like some people love the concept of tyranny. That's the funny thing to me. Anytime Trump was called a dictator, by the way, I don't remember who think about now who's who, who takes away or restricts more of your freedoms, Trump or Biden in his short few months of office. Who's been more in, who's been more in favor of taking things from you, restricting things from you. If you look at it uh, impartially, I think you'd be able to understand that. 
be like, uh, well, Trump was mean when he talked. Okay. Well, gee, I mean, I feel like we are going towards, towards tyranny. Change everything. Radically change everything. Not, not a good thing. Um, okay, I'm going to get into the Mackay Bryant shooting in Ohio again towards the end of the show when I have a few thoughts on Mr. LeBron James. But uh, first, I want to do a Suds with Studs segment here uh, in honor of a fallen officer. Louis Pompey uh, was killed in 1996. And uh, I can't believe I hadn't talked about him yet. Um, I was 11 years old at the time. I remember it kind of being a, a big deal, a uh, very sad time. Uh, I live, I grew up in the city of Glendora, California, which is a, you know, pretty safe area, pretty nice town, not a whole lot of, um, you know, violent crimes and such like that. Um, and there's a park, it's a really nice park behind, uh, uh, kind of tucked away in a corner that I used to go to as a kid. And it was called Louis Pompey Park. And I was always like, what, what is Louis Pompey? What is this? And it was remodeled a few years ago. Really, really nice. Uh, in Glendora, right on the border of Glendora, San Dimas. But I want to read to you from an article uh, about Louis Pompey from the Daily Bulletin. This was written in 2015 um, by Imani Tate. Imani Tate, excuse me. And uh, just going to kind of paint a picture for you guys about uh, Officer uh, Louis, Louis Pompey from the Glendora Police Department. And uh, he is going to be our featured uh, honoree, we'll say, on today's episode and this segment suds with studs we call it suds with studs because these are people we would love to sit down and have a, have a beer with and not just by the first round but every single round and unfortunately in it, as is as is in the case today the person we are honoring is uh has passed away and was killed in the line of duty so let me read to you uh from this article in 2015 about louis pompey uh okay this was again 2015 here we go from the article uh, is called Louis Pompey's Last Efforts Help Capture Assailants. The mortally wounded Louis Anthony Louis Pompey led deputies to his assailants 20 years ago tonight. That deadly night, June 9, 1995, Pompey fired his gun and hit his attackers enough times that they needed emergency assistance. Those bullets and eyewitnesses' description of the fleeing armed suspect's vehicle led to the teenage killer's quick apprehension at Queen of the Valley Hospital in West Covina. Law enforcement agents from several jurisdictions, according to the Glendora Police Chief Tim Stab, went into action, instant action after the wounded Pompey dialed 911 from a payphone outside of Avon's market before collapsing. Pompey, who was 30 and a seven-year veteran of the Glendora Police Department, had just gotten off duty with L.A. Impact a regional anti-drug trafficking task force comprised of Los Angeles County sheriff's deputies and municipal police officers. He went to Vaughn's market near his San Dimas home to cash his paycheck. He was in the checkout line when two young men later identified as Larry Hernandez, 16 and Robert Ramirez, 17 entered the store, announced a holdup and began pistol whipping a box boy. According to police reports. Louis did what he was trained to do as a policeman, Stab said. Whether he is on or off duty, he was sworn to protect, serve, and defend. 
He drew his gun and identified himself as a policeman to stop the attack on a special needs employee. Gun fire ensued, but Louis drew fire away from customers and employees in the store and toward himself. According to a Glendora police memo, Pompey was hit five times, once in the upper right chest, three in the abdomen, and one in the thigh. Although the bullet that hit him in the chest was a through and through, it took out a ventricle to Louis's heart, said uh, the still grieving stab. That just killed him. He died during surgery at San Dimas Community Hospital. Louis remains the only Glendora police officer killed in the line of duty since the department was founded in 1926. I'm not sure if that is still the case. This was, again, written in 2015. But as I mentioned, there have not been a lot of um, violent crimes in Glendora. And case in point, at that time, Louis Pompey was the only uh, uh, excuse me, officer that had been killed in the line of duty. Uh, since 1926. Okay, continuing. He remained loyal to the law enforcement code of ethic, which notes in part that an officer's fundamental duty is to serve mankind, safeguard lives and, and property, and protect the innocent against deception, the weak against oppression or intimidation, and the peaceful against violent or disorder. Louis upheld the code to the end. Pompey wounded the two assailants in the store before they escaped to awaiting silver Toyota Tercel. Witnesses provided a description of the car for a crime broadcast and a police Pasadena Police Department helicopter used in an earlier L.A. impact aerial surveillance went airborne again, joining county and municipal law enforcement agents on the ground searching for the two suspects. Two L.A. County Sheriff's Department Special Enforcement Bureau deputies had just dropped two prisoners at the industry sheriff's station. Knowing the area and following instinct, they went to Queen of the Valley Hospital in West Covina to check for the suspects and vehicle. They found Hernandez and Ramirez in the emergency room, claiming they'd been wounded in a drive-by shooting in San Dimas and had been driven to the hospital by Larry Hernandez's brother, Daniel, who was 19. The two deputies saw Daniel Hernandez outside the hospital, questioned him, and impounded the vehicle. A search warrant netted bloodstains. Deputy District Attorney Mark Arnold of Crimes Against Peace Officers Unit tried the two juveniles as adults. It took a jury of seven women and five men three hours to convict Ramirez and Larry Hernandez, the shooters inside the market of first-degree murder of a policeman, a special circumstance that eliminates the opportunity for parole on their life sentences. The two were also convicted of assaulting a Vons employee during the robbery. Daniel Hernandez confessed to planning the robbery and driving the getaway car. He testified against his brother and Ramirez to avoid the death penalty allowable under the law when convict when convicted by a jury. Daniel Hernandez was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to 26 years to life in prison. After the arrest of the three, Stab said investigating officers learned they were suspected in a series of San Gabriel Valley supermarket robberies. Quote, their violence was steadily increasing. They had pistol whipped a shopper at an earlier market robbery, so their violence was escalating even before the firefight with Louie. Well, that gives you a little insight onto uh, former Glendora police officer, Louis Pompey, killed in the line of duty, 1996. Uh, incredibly sad story, but what a hero, uh, saving who knows how many lives in that situation where he was just going to cash his check, man. He was just on his way home after 
uh, probably a long day. Excuse me, 1995, June 9th, 1995. I was 10 years old. And there's a park named after him in my hometown. Um, but just a guy who jumped into action, didn't think twice about, um, about anything. Just jumped in and saved lives and sacrificed his wounded the assailants called police for help from a payphone while he was dying being shot five times he probably wasn't shot five times at once it was probably a few different times i have no way of proving that but uh what a remarkable hero Louis Pompey from the Glendora Police Department. I'm honored to be from Glendora. I'm honored to see his uh, his name, uh, whether it be a freeway interchange or a, a park. I mean, uh, definitely one of Glendora's finest individuals. And to Louis Pompey, I salute you, sir. I salute you for your service. Thank you so much for sacrificing your life for others. And you are someone I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with, not just by the first round, but every single round. Okay. Kind of on that note with that in mind, did you guys happen to notice the ages of the criminals in this story? I'll go back and confirm for you. 16 years old and 17 years old. Minors, technically, under 18, who violently injured some, who, who injured a store clerk, had guns, were shooting, uh, could have done harm. Now, if this was 2021, because those guys were kids uh, and they had weapons and were harming people, could have killed people, apparently... In 2021, it would have been better had Louis Pompey uh, not fired upon them, not shot them when they were doing physical harm to others, potentially killing other people. No, no, no. They had weapons, but they were kids. You can't shoot kids. No. You got to check ID first. Hey, wait, how old are you? Oh, you're oh, okay. You're, you're 16. My bad. Well, let me put my gun away. Hey, can you guys please put your guns down and um, stop committing a crime? Hey, can you stop beat, beating that guy up? I won't shoot you. I won't threaten to shoot you because uh, you guys are kids. You guys are underage. You know how stupid that sounds? However, in 2021, we had this exact scenario. Last week, while most of the country watched the Derek Chauvin verdict, right around that time, it was the same day, uh, there was a young lady in Columbus, Ohio, named Makai Bryant, who's 16 years old, much like the assailants in the Louis Pompey story from 1995. And Miss Bryant had a knife, and was about to stab someone, make no mistake about it, she was in the process of stabbing somebody, knife raised, ready to, to uh, physically harm, trying to kill the person. You don't really try to wound with a knife or any weapon. I mean, 
trying to wound, I mean, anyway, if you're trying to stab someone, you know darn well you're, they'll probably die. Stab wounds are pretty ugly. Anyway, police officers show up in Columbus and Makai Bryant is attempting to stab somebody. Uh, absolute chaos. Officers get up. There's people falling all over the ground. People, uh, adults are kicking people on the ground. People, everyone's ignoring police orders while the cops were called there because someone had a knife. Help, help. Someone's got a knife. Some are reporting that it was Makai Bryant who actually made the call. Uh, whatever the case is, someone had a knife and, uh, very intense altercation. Well, Back to Makai Bryant, who's attempting to stab somebody. Uh, police officer for Columbus PD opens fire, shoots her, saves a life of the person she's trying to stab. The person she's trying to stab, you can see the video. She's in a pink jumpsuit, it looks like. She's lifting her knee like to block the stab wound. And this police officer, who's pretty new on the force, uh, he shoots Makai Bryant, shoots and kills her as she's attempting to kill somebody. And we live in this world that sickens me. All right, we, we, we get over, we, we all come to agreement on what happened in Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin, him, uh, you know, what happened with George Floyd. And yeah, maybe there's still some debate, but it went to a jury. They, they, they found him guilty. It is what it is. Like not one person, not one person in the entire country that I, that I heard of, and I try to hear all kinds of people, uh, said, yeah, he was righteous in his in his actions. Derek Chauvin's actions were uh, despicable. But we live in this world now where the comparisons made to this police officer in Columbus, Ohio, you he doesn't belong in the same breath, same sentence as Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin stood on a guy's neck for nine and a half minutes while he's handcuffed. This police officer shot somebody who was trying to stab another person. Saved a life. And I got news for you. To, to the police out there. If someone is trying to stab someone that I love, shoot them, please. And, and I'm a total, I'm, I am just so you guys are aware and police, I challenge you this. If someone I love is attempting to stab someone else, shoot them. Yes, that's consistency. I don't know why someone I love would be tempting to stab someone. Self-defense is one, but if they are attacking someone with a knife, why someone why they would do that, I don't know. But I'm gonna for total because everyone is like, well, imagine if that was your daughter. Yeah, which one? The one stabbing or getting stabbed? Because if if someone, uh, a relative or a close friend of mine is about to get stabbed, uh, yeah, I would want their life to be saved, and I also wouldn't want someone I I love uh, doing the stabbing. Makai Bryant's uh, mom's comments were uh, look at I, I feel bad for her losing a child but her talking about she was always a peaceful child and a motherly figure and really 
I think we have our values all backwards, all twisted inside out. We all have the shirt on backwards to bring it full circle. I don't want police officers having to shoot anybody, especially kids. But if kids are trying to stab somebody or 1995 violently rob a grocery store, beat up a store clerk, brandish guns. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have much sympathy for you. There's plenty of interactions with law enforcement that warrant uh, speculation, that warrant uh, an investigation into their action. There's plenty of situations like that. But I almost feel like the people that do hate police, and there's lots of them out there, they hate police. They want the police gone. They think all police are racist. They think that, you know, they're they're just out there hunting, uh, you know, minorities. People who saw that, there's people who saw that video in Columbus, and what they saw was an officer, he he, he heard a call, hey, there's a knife fight. Oh, and, and, oh, the officer's mine. He could show up and kill someone. No problem. He showed up. Few officers showed up. And it all happened in like less than 10 seconds. There's a big fight outside, a big struggle. Guys getting thrown to the ground. Girls getting thrown to the ground. The adults there acting like children themselves. And my favorite, I think it was her father. What? You shot her? You shot my baby? What are you doing? You're not, and someone else in them. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. They're the police. You called them or someone did because you guys can't control your house. You guys are out fighting in the streets. Someone has a knife. You're kicking people on the ground. And, you know, there was a time that when the police showed up, no matter what was going on, people stopped what they were doing. There was a respect there. It was interesting. No one stopped what they were doing when the police rolled up. People just continued to be violent with each other. That in itself is incredibly sad. And then the male figure in the video, again, continuing to talk about how could you shoot her? She's just a kid. Well, that just a kid is attempting to stab another kid. So we've gone, we've incredibly, we've dissolved into this watered down version of values that I can't even put my finger on anymore. So the heroic actions of the cop, and I know it, it's, well, he, he shot and killed a kid. Well, he shot and killed a person attempting to kill somebody, attempting to stab someone. Well, he could have shot her in the leg. He could have tased her. He could have, really, if your loved one is about to be stabbed, what, what would you want to have happen? What, what would you, if your mother, your sister, your brother, your best friend, your spouse, was up against a car about to be stabbed, what would you want the police to do? Don't tell me, I wish they had fired a a shot up in the air. No, if that was someone you were concerned about, I guarantee I know what your answer would be. If you, even, even you people who hate the cops, you hate the police, you hate the badge, you hate, you hate them. I would think if you were in that situation, you'd be, you'd feel a little different. 
I really do. But what kills me is that there's people out there who think like, I don't know what it is. Like some of these guys enjoy like killing people. Maybe the young cop heard heard a a call for distress and he's like, oh man, I might be able to uh, shoot someone. This could be, this could be, no, that's not what happened. And the media is absolutely evil. And I use the term literally. The media right off the bat sent out video and of course the headlines they they leave out pertinent information like knife wielding suspect about to stab someone they left that part out it was like cops shoot a teenage girl well that doesn't tell you a lot of information there was even video shown where they 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 fit the camera so you couldn't see the knife when you could see the knife clear as day in the video they had to they had to go out of their way to crop the video so that you didn't see the knife. That's evil. The manipulation and propaganda in this country from our news media is unbelievable. It's preposterous. And some people don't understand. They don't open their eyes that they're being lied to on a daily basis. Oh, well, well the new, I saw this on the news. You know, you hear it. There's a million and one examples. That's a big one right there. Because the media wants chaos. The leftist media, they want chaos. They want us to fight each other. They want this division because it gives them something to write about. It gives them something to talk about. That's evil. You know, what's the old story? If you you tell a lie enough times that some people will start to believe it. Guys, you're being lied to every day. I don't care what news you watch or you know whatever it's for to each his own but to not take a step back and be like well why did they say it that way to not wonder why I'm not saying you need to only look conservative news they do it too but the majority of the media does not believe in truth they promote an agenda a narrative They want destruction. Ask yourself why they say some of the things they do, why they promote violence. And they do. It's like a game to them. It's like a video game. They're at the controls trying to beat certain levels. And and it's, it sickens me. It's un, it's so, it's so incredibly disappointing. And it's really disappointing when I see people who they watch the news and they listen to reporters and they're just like, yeah, I'm informed. You're disinformed. You're, you're, you're fed disinformation. Most of the time you are. Police are always killing people. Well, the nature of the job sometimes involves that. Anyway, I will attempt to move on. Uh, from this. And I want to get to, man, I wanted to get it to UFC and boxing and all these things. Um, I, I just, I'm running out of time, I guess I'm running out of time. Um, I want to talk about LeBron James and then I'll try to finish off with some sports. I know I'd save that for the end, but I'm kind of here now. So let's just talk about it. LeBron James, I'm going to talk about propaganda and 
um, cowardice. LeBron James is a coward. He's a coward. He is um, never used his platform for good. Oh, Matt, he made a school for kids. He's He married his high school sweetheart. You don't get special points for doing things you're supposed to do. You know, by being a good family man. Like everyone's supposed to do those things. I feel like guys get special points for that or something. Anyway, I know he's done great work with schools. Okay, I'll give him that. But I swear every tweet is either about him, how great, you know, he's always, I'm, you know, King James, blah, blah, blah. But his tweeting of this situation in Columbus, especially when he's from Ohio, is absolutely sickening. You're next, he says about the police officer who killed Makai Bryant. And he's not mad that the office, you know, that Makai Bryant was about to stab someone. He's just, oh, the cops killed another, another girl. That's all he cares about, which tells me, here's what it tells me, that The whole concept of uh, lives mattering, they only matter in certain situations because LeBron doesn't care at all about the girl who was almost stabbed. Isn't that sad? And I'll say this, had the cops let her stab, Makai Bryant stab that girl? Uh, this the nation would be on fire. Look at the look at the cops. They they didn't take action when a, a girl, you know, they let they let a girl be stabbed, a kid. You can't win. The media knows how to twist and turn everything, and use it to manipulate the masses. That's what they do. So LeBron James, you sicken me. You always have. Uh, he can't. He came to the Lakers, and I was like, oh, this is my nightmare. And um, I haven't been a Laker fan since. And I had seen him, some of his political statements before, but he's the so-called leader of the NBA. And what he's done to that league, uh, he's destroyed the league. He's destroyed it for uh, viewership, for uh, audiences, for people that loved basketball. And uh, he hates a a good portion of this country. LeBron James hates police officers. Uh, he hates anyone who identifies as a Republican or a conservative. Uh, he loves he loves uh, the the Chinese uh, dictators over there. He loves that, but he speaks nothing nothing of the atrocities over there. And I know well, Matt, it's China. This is America. He should care about him. Well, then well, he makes a lot of money over there. Anyway, uh, LeBron James, and then he deletes the tweet, and then he has the audacity to say, "I took the tweet down because people are." Are twisting the words and using it to to divide us and be more racist. I'm like, they're your words. Accountability, the accountability, and put the officer's picture and said, you're next as a threat. If something does happen to that police officer, LeBron James should be charged with uh, conspiring to do harm to a police officer or something. I don't know the exact charges. Um, but he also meant because it was the Chauvin, the day of the Chauvin trial, uh, my initial thought when it said you're next was not to like do physical harm to him, but you're going to be tried and uh, sentenced like, like Chauvin was. When the two, the, the, the two scenarios could not be more different. And what it did is it put a, a spin on, uh, you know, so, so there, how do we say this? <laughs> what it did is it told me, is it told me, told me, it told me, that uh, the, the loophole really in the whole the Black, Black Lives Matter uh, co- you know, group. 
Um, first of all, I had this conversation the the whole that whole phrase. It's actually it's actually a, a genius phrase because if you say oh, I don't stand with BLM, you're like, what? You don't care about no, no. It's the organization and uh, you know the 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 organization that is uh, hypocritical and burning down buildings and uh, all this and that uh, the Antifa side of, of all that. Um, I know they're two separate groups, whatever, but what it showed is that LeBron James does not care about black life because one was almost taken in that video. And it's very sad that he doesn't care about that. Incredibly hypocritical. And, and one thing it's very sad. I care about that girl's life. I'm very glad she was not stabbed and killed. I'm incredibly sad about a lot of the deaths that occur around the country that no one seems to care about. Seven-year-old girl in McDonald's drive-thru in Chicago. That doesn't seem to get any press, really. Jaslyn Adams, I believe, was her name. Uh, because I care and I don't want to just say, uh, oh yeah, some seven-year-old girl in, uh, yeah, Jaslyn Adams. Shot and killed. Seven years old. McDonald's drive through But there's no uproar and, you know, why don't we start protesting gang violence in Chicago, in LA? That would, that would unite us, right? Wouldn't that be... I think that would be powerful stuff. The march in the streets, absolutely. Anyway, I kind of went, went around uh, all over here. Uh, the last thing uh, I will say about LeBron James, the fakest dude in the league. I know you're worth a billion dollars or whatever, a couple billion. Um, but uh, you're, you're, you're an absolute joke. You're a hypocrite. And... Um, you just you never use your platform for good. How come LeBron has never one time said, use his platform, use his 50 million Twitter viewer? How come he has never one time said, Hey, why don't we stop resisting arrest? Then when things do go bad, if things go bad, uh, we're gonna hold officers accountable if they act poorly if they uh, commit a crime against you. Let's, let's do our part, guys. Instead of always constantly attacking officers who react to people who are resisting arrest in, in a lot of cases. How come that's never said? I'm not saying it has to be said all the time. Sure, you could be, it's the First Amendment. You could say whatever you want. You'd be, you can be critical of police and their, and their actions and preach accountability. By all means, LeBron, I think it's cool. That's your platform. That's your belief. But how come, how about just once, maybe twice? Well, let's go twice. Let's say so it's not just a one time thing. That you use your platform and say, preach to your followers or just to us civilians, preach to us out there. Hey, guys. As civilians, we need to do our part as well. Let's not resist arrest. Let's do it, police. Let's comply with what officers uh, say. Would that be so difficult? No? It is? I don't know. Let's, let's do some good here. Rather than just continually point out 
things that, you know, some are true and some are false. Rather than continue the same narrative, why don't we try something new? What do you think? I think that would be a good idea. LeBron James. And, and, and you know, you guys who wear his jersey, you guys who uh, cheer for him, I, I can't do it. I won't do it. I've always disliked him. Always. I saw him play in high school. I thought he was incredible. I was like, man, this guy is amazing. Saw him play really well in Cleveland, then abandoned the city once, not once, but twice. Um, you know, I refuse to cheer for the guy and I refuse to listen to him anymore because he can barely put words together. And I know I'm, I'm guilty as well on this podcast. I can't seem to talk most of the time. Um, but anyway, unbelievable. LeBron, you are a hypocrite. Okay. I know I said I'd save that for the very end, but um, I want to say a couple things about UFC 261, even though it's, you know, Mondays are supposed to be, oh, the sports, it's sports and current events. So there may or not be as many sports topics, we'll say, uh, especially when there's a ton of stuff in the news and we want to get to all these different things. Um, as it is, man, I can't believe it's been an hour already and I still have, <laughs> I haven't even touched on some of these other uh, things that I wanted to get into. Uh, but UFC 261 absolutely delivered. Uh, Kamara Usman knocks out Jorge Masvidal in the second round with a uh, very strong right right hand uh, cross right to his chin. I mean, Masvidal hit the deck, and you know his he looked like <laughs> his his chin went through his ear. I mean, it was that was a quite a shot by Usman. And you know, I, I like what they said afterwards in the fact that Masvidal was like, "Hey, he's got my number." Uh, all respect. I mean, these guys talk trash to each other all week. They do not like each other. They don't, they don't have clubs before they fight. I mean, uh, I think Masvidal a little cocky, a little arrogant with his playing with his hands down, you know, saying, Hey, you know, punch me, fight me. And, uh, Usman did just that. I've doubted Usman for many different fights. I've at least, I've at least, uh, rooted against him in most of his fights, but I got to tell you, the guy is, is incredible. The Nigerian nightmare, uh, eight, 18 and one, maybe 19 and one now. Um, he's the champion for a reason, welterweight division, just an unbelievably skilled fighter. And, um, he's proved me wrong like three times now. Uh, Kamara Usman is a real deal and probably the best overall fighter in UFC right now. Uh, he's beaten Masvidal, knocked him out once, uh, beat him a second time on the six days notice. There was no excuse for this fight. No built-in excuses, and that's why he wanted to fight fight uh, Masvidal. Say, hey, yeah, I beat you last time, but it was on short notice. This time, train all you want. I'm still going to beat you, and he did. So congrats to Kamara Usman. He will face Colby Covington next. That's another rematch from a fight from back in 2019. Um, Covington with a you know a couple wins since then and, and going to get another shot at the welterweight belt. Uh, those two guys do not like each other by any means also. So that's going to be very entertaining down the road uh, in a few months here. Hopefully there was some other really great fights uh, in UFC 261. As I mentioned, most of them, most of them uh, or all of them in the, in the main card were knockouts and like first or second round knockouts. Uh, really, really incredible. The women's straw weight co-main fight uh, between Welly Zhang and Rose Nama Yunus um, was an upset. Rose Nama Yunus uh, knocks out Welly Zhang. 
who was 21 and one at the time and the, and the current champion. Uh, it was crazy. She got her with a leg kick, like in the throat, uh, in the throat below the ear and sent Zhang to the ground. And Zhang got up after the, the referee stopped it. And she was all confused. Like she was angry and confused. It's really interesting to see these fighters and how they react to when they get knocked out or knocked to the ground or just uh, like when stoppages occur. Cause they always no, I, I could keep going. I can, you know, so she was really upset. Uh, Rose Namajunas, Namajunas, I hope I say it right. Um, what a knockout. I mean, just, just uh, straight up kick to the kick to the throat side of the neck and then uh, jumps on her and hits her for a few seconds before referee pulls her off. And, uh, you could see the emotion in her face when the belt goes around her her waist to just uh, uh, to to win the world title over the current champion. I mean, Rose was just uh, in tears and just uh, it was it was so cool to see uh, in the women's flyweight title bout. It was Val- Valentina uh, Shevchenko who beat Jessica Andrade and dominated her uh, for two rounds. Both rounds were just clearly in her favor. She's the champion for a reason. And um, she did a little dance afterwards. She, she, you hear her, you, hear, you see this violent fight and then you, you hear her speak. She has this like super sweet, kind hearted speech to her. And you're just like, wow, that's, that's just so funny. The dynamic in that, but anyway, uh, really, really good fights there. Um, it was really unfortunate. Uh, well, the first fight, Anthony Smith uh, beating Jimmy Crute uh, or Crute. Uh, excuse me if I say that wrong. They fought for one round. Uh, at the end of the first round, uh, Jimmy Crute, his leg, like Smith kicked him to like the 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 leg, his thigh, and like hit a nerve or something. So he Crute couldn't put weight on it. It was really weird. He, he was trying to walk it off in between the first round and, and the second round. The doctor was like, "No, it's over. It's done with." So uh, unfortunate to see that injury. Anthony Smith is a big fan favorite. You could see him coming in the, the arena for the first fight of the main card. That arena was just jamming. He loved it. All the fighters loved it, seeing people in the stands. Just the energy was un- unbelievable. Uh, so congrats to Anthony Smith, a veteran. He's been fighting a long time. Really hope uh, Jimmy Crute's okay. It was really weird. He was 12-1 and one before this fight. And to see a guy's leg just like – it wasn't like anything was broken. It was just he couldn't – put weight he couldn't control his like ankle it was so weird uh check it out on uh highlights or youtube uh and unfortunately the fight after that um if you have a queasy stomach uh definitely don't look this up but um i'm able to to watch stuff like this and not be too impacted by it but a a very gruesome injury to chris weidman in the middleweight fight uh fight number two of the main card on Saturday night fighting Uriah Hall. The fight lasted 17 seconds and Uriah Hall became the first UFC fighter to win a fight without uh, one strike, without striking an opponent once, because what happened was Chris Weidman, as they're filling each other out, he goes to kick Uriah Hall, his shin, his shin contacts Uriah Hall's leg and how do I describe this? Weidman's basically breaks his shin just with the kick. His, his leg kinds of folds over uh, Uriah Hall's leg. And then like as Weidman goes to plant his broken leg, 
to, to fall back and sit and stand. The broken leg is like, it's flimsy and his foot is like separated. It, he goes to plant and from his shin down, it just like folds. And re- I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was, it, it's unfortunate that it's part of the sport that happens sometimes with, with these leg kicks that kick a guy so hard that your shin breaks, which is unbelievable to me. Uh, very gruesome, goes to the ground immediately, fights called. Um, thoughts and prayers for Chris Weidman. I, I don't know if he'll ever fight again. Um, I hope he can walk again. Just it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's part of the sport that the violent things do happen. That was a freak accident that you could see Uriah Hall's face was just full of concern and sadness. I mean, no one should win that way. And I don't think he cared anything about the victory because he didn't do anything really. He blocked the leg kick and the guy broke his leg and it was just so gruesome. So when you see the care and concern with these fighters for each other, uh, that to me is what makes UFC and boxing for that matter, what makes combat sports so special. Talk as much smack as you want, get in there. You, you physically are trying to harm someone else. But when the bell rings, when it's all said and done, there's a mutual respect. There's a mutual respect. And I think we can all learn something from that. So an incredible uh, Saturday night of fights. There was a first round knockout uh, uh, with Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute. Uriah Hall uh, defeats Chris Weidman uh, as Weidman breaks his leg. And then in the three title fights, uh, Shevchenko with a second round knockout. Um, Rose Nama Yunus with a first round knockout. And then in the main event, Kamara Usman, second round knockout over Jorge Masvidal. Unbelievable stuff. Didn't get uh, to watch a whole lot. I mean, with these fights ending so early, uh, the fights were, were over and done with real quick. And, and I learned, I've learned over the years while watching, uh, especially UFC, that fights can end real quick. So don't look down at your phone. Don't go get another piece of pizza. Like when, the, when those five minutes are on, anything can happen. Keep your eyes on the screen because it's happened multiple times where I'll look away or something and boom, you missed the big hit. And there's replays and everything, but it just, it's an amazing sport. I love it. I can't wait to uh, watch more of it. I know I've told you guys many times, I, I really like boxing as well, but there is something about just the, the energy, the craziness of UFC also. And, you know, with Dana White's comments recently, I got to tell you, I absolutely love that man. And I think, uh, he is just, um, he gets it. He knows that he has this sport that is growing. It's growing more than uh, at, a, at a faster pace than other sports. It's, it was the first sport to come back uh, with no fans back in April. Or was it May? I can't remember last year. And it was in Jacksonville, same arena. UFC comes back on Saturday night to Jacksonville with fans in the stands. They wanted to kind of as like a reward for having Jacksonville be the first city to host uh, them a year ago, they wanted to come back and be the first city that had fans. So unbelievable stuff there. Um, I have nothing but praise for Dana White. I know a lot of people want to talk uh, crap on him uh, because you know he he wants people to die. He 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 thinks he's uh, he he thinks he uh, he you know people's lives don't matter and you know he's he's uh, promoting all of this. I mean Dana White has done more for upcoming fighters for people that want to uh, want to make money, want to leave a legacy, want to be champions. They're, per, they're pursuing the pursuit of something that they love. Uh, Dana White has provided 
uh, for those people and, uh, you know, has done so much for the sport. He's one of the best leaders in all of sports. And for those non-UFC fans out there, I think you can get behind this sport, this sport and someone like Dana White, who doesn't want to politicize uh, anything. I mean, he, he, he's gone on different shows and, and said, you know, we're not, we're not getting involved in all that crap. He says, we want to put on good events. People want to escape from their normal lives and watch men and women fight each other. <laughs> they don't want to hear about uh, politics and, and uh, you know, some of the crazy world we're living in. Um, they don't want that. And uh, I, I love Dana White for what he's doing. I got to read this to you. What was this on? This was on, uh, this was Dana White uh, slams the Las Vegas review journal because they condemned keep in mind ufc is very big in vegas and dana white lives in vegas i believe he does anyway um the las vegas review wrote an article basically their opening line was fifteen thousand people are willing uh to die and spread covid uh in honor to attend a sporting event and it's just like what you gotta stop all this shaming of people people want to live their lives Stop shaming people because they don't want to wear a mask or they're in a full arena. You don't have to go. You don't have to. Don't watch it. Don't go. Anyway, uh, I want to read this to you briefly. I know we're, uh, this is from uh, bjpen.com. What is this? I don't know. Oh, running out of breath. Uh, This is article written by Chris Taylor. Uh, this was on Saturday, probably before the fight. UFC president Dana White has slammed Las Vegas Review Journal for sharing a story condemning tonight's attendance at UFC 261. For the first time in over a year, fight fans will be in attendance for a sold-out pay-per-view event this evening in Jacksonville. Uh, Earlier this week, Dana informed fans planning on attending the event that they had the option of wearing a mask inside the UFC 261 venue. Quote, you can wear a mask or not wear a mask. It's up to you. It's your decision. Bravo. It's your decision. I love that. We need more of that. Uh, Here was the quote from the newspaper article, the very first line in it that they wrote, and it really pissed Dana White off, and rightfully so. Here was the quote from the Las Vegas uh, Review Journal. Quote, at least 15,000 people are willing to risk permanent damage or death to attend a live sporting event again. That's according to the language in the disclaimer for those attending UFC 261 in Jacksonville, the first indoor sporting event to allow full attendance. Uh, The disclaimer stipulates attendance at Saturday's pay-per-view event, which features three title fights may lead to exposure of COVID-19 and that the contraction of COVID-19 may result in severe and permanent damage to the health of the holder and others, including, but not limited to death. Well, yeah, we all know that anywhere we go, we can get COVID. Everyone knows that. Everyone is well aware. And they have to post these signs because some guy, some retard will go to, can I say that anymore? Some, some dumb retard. No, Matt, you can't say that language. That's, that's offensive. That's hurtful. Whatever. I'll be written up somewhere. Um, some idiot will be like, well, I, got, I went to this event and got COVID and, and no one said I might not get COVID. That, we have to like put all these uh, um, disclaimers everywhere now just to cover ourselves. That's all UFC was doing. Said, hey, if you attend this, there's a chance you could get COVID, but we're not going to restrict anybody from uh, wearing masks and this and that. 
the story struck a nerve with uh, resident Dana White. Uh, <laughs> Dana tweeted it out. He said the article. He says, hey, Las Vegas, this is our piece of, you know what, local newspaper. He says, through this entire pandemic, we didn't lay off a single employee. We worked with government agencies in Nevada and around the world to put on every event safely. And we chose to bring our biggest fight of the year with Conor McGregor back to town July 10th to help relaunch the city. He's referring to Las Vegas. Uh, Quote, yet this is how the Las Vegas Review Journal shows its support for a true local business. Go F yourself. (laughs) LVRJ, Las Vegas Review Journal. And don't bother coming to the fight in July. So uh, Dana White not withholding any punches, no pun intended, to the Las Vegas Review Journal for condemning the UFC and Dana White for hosting a live fight, uh, uh, fans in attendance in in UFC 261. Well, you know what? Uh, I applaud not just... Dana White, but for the fans that went to the event on Saturday night, congratulations. Hopefully, this is the beginning of more and more of this. We've seen full baseball stadiums in Texas, uh, and I know this UFC being an indoor event, um, you know, there are people that I was like, wonder what it's going to look like. And uh, my joke of the night was that, man, all these cardboard cutouts seem really realistic. Well, they weren't cardboard cutouts. They were real people. And uh, just very, very cool to see people not wearing masks, drinking beers, having a good time, cheering, uh, booing fighters, cheering for fighters. I mean, ah, sense of normal. God bless the UFC. It's so funny. I've said this many times, but it's weird how fighting, fighting, like literal fighting is what brings us together. Fighting unites us, right? That is so funny. It's ironic. I absolutely love it. Anyway, guys, I've rambled enough today. I got a ton of sports stories and things that I didn't even get to. Oh, real quick, real quick. Last thing. Uh, first of all, Kamar Usman talking about Jorge Masvidal, uh, good rivalry, intense rivalry, but one of the best quotes he said was, Jorge, thank you. You made me better. You made me push myself more. That's what sports and competition should be about. I love that stuff, man. Oh, we, you know, not, not this, uh, you know, poor me, the world's against me. No, man, you made me, you pushed me. That's incredible, man. We need more of that stuff. So uh, thanks to all the fighters out there who put on uh, a great show and the UFC Saturday night. I will be uh, participating, uh, watching pay-per-views, watching every Saturday night with uh, random fight cards because uh, I love supporting good business, common sense business, and a great sport in UFC. Okay, Uh, last thing I want to say, I heard this and I was like, I I can't believe I hadn't heard this before, but kind of, um, you know, it was on my mind because of, you know, recent police discussions and everything. Um, I heard that Muhammad Ali is one of the greatest boxers of all time. I heard about how he got his start in boxing the other day. And at the time when he was 12 years old, he went, he was Cassius Clay. That was his name. Um, I, I, I heard it said, I think on the Adam Carolla show, maybe another podcast, I could be wrong, but anyway, I, I heard this, I had to look it up to confirm it. And, uh, I'll read to you now from the, uh, Muhammad Ali biography here. In his early life, um, I, I I couldn't believe this. And I was like, what? So that's that's freaking cool. I said, okay, here we go. At the age of 12, Cassius Clay discovered his talent for boxing through an odd twist of fate. After his bike was stolen, Clay told the police officer, Joe Martin, that he wanted to beat up the thief. Martin said, well, you better learn how to fight before you start challenging people. Martin allegedly told him 
at the time. In addition to being a police officer, Joe Martin also trained young boxers at a local gym. Clay started working with Martin to learn how to spar and soon had began his career in boxing. So unbelievable there. That's, that is so cool. I, I can't believe I had not heard that, that that's how Muhammad Ali's career started by telling a cop after his bike was stolen. Hey, I want to beat up the guy who took it. And Martin, rather than saying, Hey, don't do that. Or, Hey, yeah, go get him. He just said, Hey, well, I don't, well do you know how to fight? Let's, let's, let's do some, uh, some sparring and that, and the rest is history. As they say, Clay, Cassius Clay becoming later Muhammad Ali and one of the greatest heavyweight uh, champions of all time. So I thought I'd leave you guys with that story today uh just as a way to uh you know show that you never know you never know where life's going to lead you or where uh different challenges will will come from um how we respond to things and do we embrace challenges do we uh do we just get mad and use our emotions i don't know what i'm trying to say exactly but i thought it was uh, very fitting uh in a good way to kind of wrap up today's episode of the get home safe podcast thank you for tuning in i have talked quite a long time. I didn't even get to a ton of other things and topics uh, that I wanted to talk about, but maybe another time college football division, one double a playoffs next week. They're down to eight teams. Tune in for that. Um, What is next week? I wanted to give my, what is coming up? Oh, the NFL draft. I was going to do a mock draft today and kind of, no one wants to hear that, but uh, I'm excited about the NFL draft on Thursday. I will be tuning in. I will re- give my reactions on next Monday to the NFL draft, specifically the first round, but we might also talk about some of the, the picks that were made on the Friday and Saturday rounds as well. I'm very excited for it. You, you, the UFC, the U, the Uh, NFL draft, the NFL and college football kind of blending together on one day. Uh, Really exciting. I know it's not real football, but uh, as a football fanatic like me, uh, I I absolutely love it. And uh, it's kind of cool to see uh, college kids uh, fulfill their dream and to be selected and drafted. And so anyway, um, I will tell you this though, UFC is making a, uh, I love football, but UFC is making a strong push and a strong argument. Uh, as far as my sports fandom goes. And I'm sure there's other people out there who feel the exact same way. So guys, have a great rest of your week. I will talk to you on Wednesday as I'm joined by Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Look for our Facebook live video on Monday or Tuesday, depending when I can sit down and record with Bill, kind of our appetizer show. And then the full episode should be out on Wednesday. Appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast. Uh, through audio or now on the video or video with our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, continue to uh, support the podcast any way you can. Uh, just thank you so much, guys. It's always fun. And if you have any more ideas, definitely send them my way. You know how to reach us at the Get Home Safe Podcast social media, our email address, a voice message. Still love, love to hear a voice message or, or two from you guys. Uh, you know, voicemail, uh, calling in the show. Anyway. Let me take a breath. Time for me to go about my regular business, but thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Get Home Safe podcast. Looking forward to being back with you next Monday, but first Wednesday with Bill Barnes and Friday with my good friend, Bill Ritter. Should be a great week of shows. But until then, guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.